Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Mountain Murders. I'm Heather. And I'm Dylan. Well, <laughs> I am so excited about the case we're going to talk about. Uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. We've been talking about this for a while. Yeah, almost. we've been discussing this case for several months. Yeah. And finally had an opportunity to put it all together. But it's a really great case. think you guys are going to be pleased. Yes, we'll have to get in our Mountain Murders exclusive Wayback Machine. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think so. But we like to do that here, don't we? Yeah, we did just drop a really fantastic episode on Patreon. So if you're not a patron... For as little as $1 a month, you can sign up and get access to some exclusive content. Dylan, you have a story on a fellow named Master Rick. Yes, and anyone local. Hometown (laughs) crime story. So we're going to talk about that over on Patreon. If you're curious, go sign up. It's three bucks a month to get access to these extra podcast episodes. And hey, if you don't like it, you can always cancel. Yeah, yeah, if you give it a, you can try it out and you can untry it out at your leisure. But, uh, we think it's worth a couple of bucks. There's a, a lot, Master Rick guys, any locals will be like, Oh my God, that was some crazy shit. Cause that was a crazy story in the sleepy little town we live in. And then, uh, a couple other on the edge of the dark web, we may take you with that crazy ass. I came and describe it. Yeah, it's right. a it's a wild tale for sure. Yes. Well, one thing that has kind of come up in the last couple of days that I think is funny is we've got I don't know if I want to call them trolls, but we've had a couple of people who've been reaching out. One person was offended with the Crystal Howell case because we used the word stripper poles. Yeah, the shooting someone in the face didn't offend that her was, at all. Yeah, that was her only complaint about the story yeah. is they're dance poles. They're not stripper poles. Should have been a dance pole. And it was very insulting. She's a stripper. She's very happy with her life and her job. Yeah. She's just like rambling. And so she's sending me all these messages and I'm just like, I'm sorry, you're not going to police my language. No. But see, no. Well, I remember that day you texted me and you were like, have we really come this far? Yeah. It, I mean, because when you said stripper pole... You didn't mean it disparagingly, disparagingly in any manner. No. Because, oh, you're talking about, oh, the poor stripper lady who could make $1,000 a night on said pole. It's just a stripper pole, guys. Everybody knows. I mean, yeah. I've well, not been to many dance comp- everything with a, a dance pole. Hey, and one of our first dates was what, Dylan? We didn't go to the strip club. No. Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was burlesque show. Yeah, and who was performing? Who produced and the show? My wife. Yeah, so in... in I uh, went to uh, your burlesque kind show. Kind of a classy way, your wife's been a stripper, right? Yes, it's the same thing. <laughs> it is basically the same thing. Except with burlesque, you take your clothes off where people don't normally take their clothes off. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, because you, uh, you had shows everywhere and they were fun. And, uh, yeah, there you are, entertaining. That's, you know. Right, but it's striptease. Right. Which is, you know, the word stripper is striptease, and that's where strip. Anyway, she was all like, this is a dance pole, and that's so offensive. And I'm like, I've been a stripper. And anyway, she goes on and on. I'm going to tell people not to listen to your podcast, whatever, which I think is funny, because I'm like, you can't troll me, because I'm like the biggest troll of all. Wait, did Karen write us this? Probably. She wanted to talk to management? Yeah. To, she did. Uh, I am the manager, basically, <laughs> is my response. I is the proprietor. I'm of, typing this right now in my pasties, bitch. Anywho. I'm peddling um, my yeah. wares. So that was interesting. And then we had a review that was funny. It was like a negative review on Apple. And it was like, not for me or not a fan. Too much no. bullshitting. Too much bullshit. And I'm like, well, I hope you don't know us in real life because that's all we do is that, bullshit. That's like 130% of our day. Yeah, well, <laughs> I wake up bullshitting. We go do. to sleep bullshitting. We bullshit so much that it gets on our kids' nerves. Yeah. They're like, can you guys not? Yeah, can you guys just shut up because we, that's all we do. Yeah, so um, from here out, we'll say BSing. Unless we're going to set a record for bullshit. Okay, well, but, um, we bullshit a lot. So, <laughs> I guess the takeaway from this, Heather's hot take, is that, one, I'm not going to cater to people who are offended. No. and Because you, it's my podcast, and right. I'll say what I want. You don't get to say what I mean by something, either. 
You yeah, know what I mean? and just because you, you can't interpret take, some, I don't know. You can't take that We're out being of context. So fucking sensitive, basically. Now, if you were like those mangy women on the, you know, if you talked said a bunch of horrible stuff about strippers, right. and, and it still wouldn't be about the stripper pole. No. Stupid. Yeah, Why no, that the, was really ridiculous. And if you come to me with like a legit complaint, I will take you seriously. But when it's something that's just you're upset because I used a, a word to describe something that you don't like, no, no, homie, don't play that. And if you don't like podcasts where they bullshit, well, then that's like almost every pod. I mean, that is the essence of podcasting is you get together and you talk, right? Right. And okay, um, so we're going to keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but we all know that we keep it typically short, maybe not this time. And then we dive right into what, what everybody's here for. What is everybody here for? The details. <laughs> the Dylan makes an ass out of himself on an episode. I'm just well, kidding. No, that uh, that's what you're describing because you're going to give them the details. We actually did get some positive feedback. Someone said that they love, that I can't contain Dylan. They love him and that I do a good job of reeling him in, but that I just need to let the man be, essentially, basically. Let me spread my wings, honey. And just let me fly. I'm ready. You're a beautiful butterfly. I'm ready. I'm I'm gonna put the net down. I'm so, gonna let you soar tonight. Okay, you ready? Yes. Thank there okay guys, here we go. This could <laughs> really get stupid. Documented as America's first serial killers. Okay. The Hart brothers were outlaws, marauders, marauders. And that's okay. Marauders. <laughs> I've been able to get that out. It's a marauder. <laughs> pirates and murderers. Yes, highwaymen and river pirates. Ooh. Throughout the frontier and among the Appalachians, the name of the harps spread and were considered to be the worst thing you could possibly encounter. I mean, this is the kind of situation that if you're out on the farm working by your cabin, mending a fence, and your neighbor runs up and says, the harps are coming. You're probably going to hide. You want to hide? You're going to board the house up or you're going to get your family and you're going to leave. Right. Because these people are fucking scary. And this is the frontier. There's nobody to help you. It's a dog eat dog world. And you could, and I was thinking about when you, when we were talking about doing the story finally. Wouldn't you imagine in that dog-eat-dog world environment of the frontier in the Wild West, no help, middle of nowhere, everybody's got guns. Right. Psychopaths and sociopaths and just the cruelest people would rise to the top in this environment, kind of float to the top, Well, right? I guess they did. Alphas, if you will. Right, and I suppose and so, they did, and that's pretty much the premise of every Western movie. Yeah, Otherwise, Clint Eastwood wouldn't have had a job in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> no. In the 60s and 70s. No one else could chew on a cigar like him. Right. Okay. But, yeah. So, yeah. So, you got the baddest of the bad because everybody's a hard ass. Even the little kids and families and everybody, you know, because there's homesteading, taking care of themselves every day. These guys are just the baddest of the bad and alphas in a very hard environment. I feel like we should cue up the Reverend Horton Heat, the baddest of the bad song. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I could do the good to bad to ugly whistle. Well, here we go. Okay. Joshua Harper Maybe was not. born sometime around 1748, <laughs> either in Scotland or in Orange County, North Carolina. Not much is known of his early years. William Harper was born sometime around 1750, again, either in Scotland or in Orange County, North Carolina. Few records exist from this time period, in North Carolina, so many facts about the brothers come from legends or what little can be pieced together. People that knew them maybe lived close. some documentation, right. but again, not a lot of record keeping at this time. The brothers are believed to have been born probably in Orange County, North Carolina. Though some accounts say that the brothers are actually cousins, that they immigrated from Scotland sometime around 1759 or 1760. So they would have been small children. Like many Scottish settlers of the time, they were considered Tories and loyalists to the crown. Okay, so when the Revolutionary War is cranking up, right? And you, oh man, could you imagine? People I throwing that was tea a wild... in the harbor and shit. Yeah, but then you got these uh, little pockets of people who are still like, "Oh, King George is cool. He's my. He's your king. Recognize the king." Oh, I'm just kidding. Right. But yeah, they're all about staying with the British and they're 
sneaking around spying on the colonial partners and all that stuff. Some crazy stuff went on about the, back then, I bet. Well, I'm going to go ahead and refer to these guys as the Harps, because that's what they become known as. Right. But they're born Harper, and we'll get into that later. Now, it is believed that the Harps had family who served in Tory militias before the American Revolution. When the real war began, the Harps' father tried to join the Patriot forces, only to be denied because they had this really heavy association with British loyalists. The Harper family was believed to have been treated hostily by neighbors. You know, their neighbors were patriots. And if you were a loyalist to the crown, they would treat you like shit. Well, yeah, they would threaten you. Out. They may burn your crops, kill your livestock. They're going to try to run you out of town. They right. don't want you around. Because you're the enemy. You're a traitor. They don't, right. You know, they're, they're looking at you like you're a traitor. This is our land. This is a new country. You know, they don't like you. The Harper family was they were treated pretty badly. And some theorize that this persecution may have sparked a desire for revenge in these young boys. Now, according to historians, the Hart family lived in constant fear because of the way the neighbors treated them. They lived in isolation. They trusted each other. They had this us-against-the-world kind of mentality. Wow. We have to rely on each other. So that's how these boys grew up in this environment. Wow. One day, the brothers had been out and about they returned home and found a Patriot troop at their house. Their parents were being held by the Patriots and being told that they had to leave their property. Okay. Basically, it's almost like they're under arrest or something. And so the boys find this scene. They're freaking out. They've got our parents. They decide to hide because they don't know what's coming down the pipeline. That's probably a good move. The boys watch their parents as nooses are slipped over their necks and hung right in front of them. Oh, no. The two boys, 12 and 13, were hiding, and then they basically run away from home after having watched their parents... Yeah, and they're powerless to stop it. ...be killed. Right. The boys rely on each other for about a year or so, and then they are taken in by the Chickamauga tribe... I'm not familiar with the Chickamauguans. Is that right? Is the the Chickamauga tribe. Okay. Yes. Okay, so Big Harp, as he's going to be known later, was about six feet tall. He's well-built, has a really bad temperament. Sounds like a lovely guy. Big, bad, mean as hell. So I guess six foot in the Western times was pretty tall, right? Well, this isn't really Western times, babe. They're in North Carolina, and this is the 1700s. Well, no, not we I'm sorry, not Western times, but back back in those days, weren't people shorter? Well, yeah. Okay, so six foot's like six three now, you reckon? And his brother, Lil Harp, as they call him, was the exact opposite. He was shorter. He was a lot smarter. Had a more calm temperament. Big was like the bulldog, and Little was more sly like a fox. Oh, so they were like yin and yang. Now, he was born Joshua Harper, but some people call him Makaja Harp, was the name he went by, Makaja Harp. And he really loved a tomahawk. Now, again, they were taken in by the Chickamauga tribe. They were raised by these people from the age of 12 and 13 onward. They became really familiar with a lot of the Indian ways. Survival, you know, almost like survivalists. They were trained and taught. Makaja, or Big Harp, really loved the tomahawk. It became his weapon of choice. Always had a tomahawk on him. Man, now that's crazy that, that um, those no one else tried to take those boys in i get or i guess they just kind of ran off yeah they ran off and it was about a year that they were kind of took care of themselves each other on their right. own okay like, yeah so squatting and staying where they could and finding that, food where they could stealing that was common uh, amongst indian tribes to take it's like the white society would throw these people out you know or away in a in a way and they would always you know take them in treat them very good in April or May of 1775, the brothers left North Carolina for Virginia 
where they were seeking out some overseer jobs on a slave plantation. It was during this time that the brothers end up joining this Tory rape gang, as it was referred to. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This gang of predators took advantage of the lawlessness of wartime, because this is when the American Revolution is getting cranked up in full swing, chaos everywhere. People uncertain of what's coming. So what little authority might have been present in these regions and areas is basically going to evaporate. Right. Because you had, much like the Civil War, you had brother against brother. Yeah. And back then... Neighbor when, against neighbor. When things got real bad, what did, you know, areas of the nation do? They called the army in. The such and such cavalry, you know, and they'll come in there and kick some ass, run around, shoot every damn body. Or they had these militias. Yeah. that So yeah. as... You know, situations are starting to arise in certain communities. You might have a Tory militia rise up, but you also have a Patriot militia, and they're sort of fighting each other, and so there's this big opportunity for crime to happen. And this gang took advantage. They were raping, stealing, burning, destroying property, and murdering anybody who might stand in their way. The brothers would kill in a very hands-on way, using the tomahawks, they particularly preyed on farms of patriot colonists. So, yeah, they're just, they're like, here they come, pure vengeance. And it's been said that they really enjoyed killing, and they would go above and beyond when they were slaughtering the quote-unquote enemy, what they felt like was the enemy. Man, could you imagine the poor people who, well, obviously all the victims, but then someone stumbling upon the scene afterwards? How unsettled you would be for the rest of the then and your life, probably. A captain, James Woods, of the Continental Army, wrote several eyewitness accounts of this criminality. The Harps gang kidnapped three teenage girls. A fourth would end up being rescued by Captain Woods. During this time, the Harps were known as associators, which meant that they were working for the British troops, but they were not provided any kind of uniform or weapon, no official training. They were kind of like freelance missionaries or something. Right. They're not getting any support from the British either. Or not missionaries, but like mercenaries. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah. Where you're like, (laughs) yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, I was like, like, damn, I must have tuned out. Wouldn't I? Missionaries? What part of the story? Mercenaries is what I mean. Because they were working for the British, but it was sort of like the under, yeah. Yeah, soldiers of the, the undercover guys. Yeah, if you they pay. relied heavily on stealing and such, you know, to provide the materials that they needed to assist in these war efforts against the Patriots. They're robbing, stealing weapons, stealing food, Probably livestock, stealing horses. Feeding them intelligence, I bet. The Harps were believed to have been serving loosely as Tory militiamen at the Battle of Kings Mountain in October 1780. The Battle of Blackstocks in November 1780, and the Battle of Cowpens in South Carolina, January 1781, under the leadership of a British commander named Patrick Ferguson. James Wood, as I mentioned previously, was father of Susan Wood. Now, at some point, she's going to be kidnapped by the Harps and would be forced to marry Big Harp later on. Now, the Harps disband from the militia after losing battles, and when they kind of see that the British are not gaining foot here, yeah, and things are starting to fall apart, and they're like, okay, we're not going to be on the losing side. We don't want to get our asses kicked anymore. They flee North Carolina with the Chickamauga Cherokee, who were in Tennessee, just west of the Appalachian Mountains. April 2nd, 1782, the Harps, along with about 400 Chickamauga, attack a Patriot village at Bluff Station, which is modern-day Nashville, Tennessee. Wow. The Chickamauga were a British-backed army of fighters. They participated in several more strategic attacks, including the Kentucky Battle of Blue Licks, which was led by Daniel Boone. Big names. Big, a lot of history there. Right. Yeah, big things. While living with the Chickamauga, they settled near Chattanooga, Tennessee for about 12 years. And they were really trying to, I guess, play it straight at this time. 
So they're just staying out of the way. They had kidnapped these two women, Susan Wood and a woman named Maria Davidson, and they were forcing the women to be their wives. In 1794, they left this Indian settlement that was near Chattanooga, and they go up to Powell's Valley, which is near Knoxville, Tennessee. Now, at this time, this part of Tennessee was like the Wild West, so you're not really too far off when you kept saying the West. Because it was the West, but it, this was like the Wild West. I'm sorry, guys. Did I was I being a regionalist? It was, was I, a, a raucous, I, like frontier town. I mean, you know, you had the yeah, saloons right. and people drinking it, just like the West. People making liquor, and you had yeah. gunfighters, fucking and horses. Out, yeah, people out in the streets. Everybody's shooting got each a other, gun, and the streets were made out of dirt and mud and muck. You got some one old dude talking about he's a sheriff, but like he tries to stay out of the way. Stays in the saloon a lot because he's not trying to get hurt. Because there's no help out there in lawlessness. Well, while in Powell's Valley, they stole supplies and food from the locals. This is when they changed their name from Harper to Harp, trying to disguise their Tory association. Ah, that's very clever. They could have picked an entirely different name. They had a cabin near Beavers Creek in Knoxville, and there was a Knox County, like, an actual record that shows that Wiley, or Lil Harp, married a woman named Sarah Rice on June 1st, 1797. And like I said, they were taking a stab at respectability. Rice was the daughter of a minister. They were trying to play it straight, but that's not going to last for very long. I mean, they're still stealing food, stealing livestock here and there. Now, these three women, because remember they have Susan Wood, Maria Davidson, and Sarah Rice. Well, these three women are all considered wives and used by both brothers. So they just, they've literally kidnapped these three women, right? Well, I guess Sarah Rice was a... Was that more of... Consensual... Okay. Agree to marry you and they do it right. And her dad's her daddy's a minister. And okay, so they're going all out to... They get, you know, it's a recorded marriage. Right. In Knox County. Well, no one knows if the other two women are, like, willingly with the Harps or if it was more of that kidnapping hostage situation. But this polygamous lifestyle, this polyamorous relationship that they all have was definitely shocking for the time. I'm sure. And, of course, word spreads throughout the community. Neighbors know what's happening over there. But who's going to go over there and say anything? The brothers are, like, basically passing these women back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, but I There was a lot of whispers. But, like you said, what are they going to do about it? Yeah, you come... Come say that to my face. Well, the brothers had been stealing some supplies, some food here and there. They just can't help themselves. He's a livestock here or there if they're hungry. But they decide that they want to go on a full-on crime spree throughout Appalachia. They are basically driven out of town for stealing hogs and horses around 1797. The brothers... There's a couple of people in town who are pointing fingers that all this missing livestock and all this stuff is being stolen by the Harps. And there was a man named Johnson who had been one of the main witnesses who had turned them in for stealing livestock. They go to this tavern. And while they're there, they see this man, Johnson, and they know he's the guy who turned us in. Now, Johnson and the Harps end up getting into a fight. The man, Johnson, pulls a knife and ends up stabbing Lil Harp. Oh, my goodness. They are kicked out of the tavern. The two brothers leave. They lay and wait outside the bar for Johnson to come out, and then they ambush him. Johnson was later found in a river with his chest cavity split open and weighted down with rocks. See, that's crazy. Like, they put the rocks in his chest cavity when they threw him in the river. Yeah. Yeah. When he still got found. Which is going to actually become a signature for the pair. Yeah, and as we know, most serial killers have a bit of a signature. And the th- Harps are no exception. Yeah, I thought that was one of the more disturbing facts about this entire story. The fa- I mean, yes, you're killing all these random people, which is horrible. But to t- you know, to be able to just cut them all open and 
basically scoop their guts out and put rocks, big rocks back and kind of time bound, bind them back together. I mean, that's a special kind of damn psycho right there. Now, this is actually believed to be like their first kill. And now, during wartime, they were slaughtering as many people as they could. Well, yeah. But that was war. Right. You know? So this is the actual, like, first kill, first brutal murder that is not during wartime. Right. This kind of sparks this whole crime spree. And now later, these brothers are going to confess to killing 39 people. Though it is suspected, it's probably more along the lines of 50. It's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. The men and their wives hit the Wilderness Road, which was like a trail that kind of led through the Appalachian Mountains. And from what I understand, dangerous, really rough, treacherous, just the environment itself. But then you had people like the Harps along the way. Well, yeah, you had these like literal bandits. You never knew. And if you run a a foul upon them, is that is that mess, is that right? Sure, Robin Hood. If we if we run run foul is it a foul? Run a yeah, foul. Run a foul. The highwayman along the road. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Oh wow, Robin Hood got snotty. Buffy gets out of the carriage and <laughs> check to see what is going on. I don't know. Okay, we're getting off on a tangent. Yeah, sorry, but we should introduce them to Lord Wellington one day. Okay, Bill yeah. has a character. He'll introduce you to that at some point. Let's get back to the story. <laughs> yes. So, the men and their wives hit the Wilderness Road. They began meeting other travelers along the road and murdering them. They would use the wives and get people to kind of take their guards down because it's like, oh, well, here are these three lovely, sweet ladies and their husbands. Yeah, these, guys, these people seem normal. They would, you know, just, they were very disarming We'd get these people to take their guards down. Then they would rob them, murder them. Yeah, just crazy. That's devious. They murdered another man named Peyton near Cumberland Gap. They stole his horse and goods. I think he was some kind of peddler. So he had, you know, a lot of merchandise. His wares. They stole all his shit, steal his horse, kill him. They killed two travelers in Maryland, a man named John Langford in Kentucky, now, Langford felt sorry for these three pregnant women because, by the way, the three wives are all pregnant at this time. As they're on this wilderness road, this rough-ass road. Robbing, killing, and torturing. Wow. Yeah, what with a, three a, pregnant women in tow. What a vacation. He feels really sorry for these three pregnant women. He furnishes the family a meal. Little Harp saw that the man was traveling alone and carrying a rather large sum of money. They say to Langford, hey, you know, this is a really dangerous road. You're traveling alone. Why don't you join up with us? Travel with us. It'll be a lot safer for you. We really like you. You'll be good company. The the women like having you around. They'll feel safer with an extra man around. Strength in numbers. Langford agrees to travel with the Harps. They lure him out, murder him. Now, eventually, word gets back to this inn where they had had dinner and had spent the night. The innkeeper turned them in and they end up getting captured. The women were all three about to deliver babies. Along with their heavily pregnant wives, they're all sent to jail. The three women end up having their babies in jail. Days later, the women and babies are found in their cells, but the harps are missing. They have managed to escape, leaving behind their baby mamas, and their babies. They're, they're just born babies in the jail. Yeah. That's crazy. In April of 1799, the Harp women are tried for the murders of Langford, or the murder of Langford. With the infants in their arms, the women are testifying in front of this courtroom. They were scared. They were forced to tag along. They've been kidnapped, impregnated, raped abused, they're Every, frightened, yeah. we Everything have to do what horrible. we're told. I mean, the women played on the sympathies of the judge, the jury, everyone in the courtroom by saying, you know, they were forced into this. The women were acquitted after the townspeople decided that they were victims. The town gave the women a horse and told them to go back to Tennessee, back to their home. The women sold the horse, they buy a canoe 
and go down the Green River. Wow, really? The women had a plan to meet up with the Harps. They all had this plan that if they were ever separated, this is what we'll do. This will be the plan. Yeah, and there they stand. So they have a special spot where they're going to meet up. All three of them holding a baby. How? I mean, how could those town folk condemn them? But they're just liars. Got the babies in the canoe, make their way down the river. I mean, some witnesses said that the harp women were just as vicious as the men. So you that they were definitely not victims in this. They played an active role and that they were just as ruthless and cutthroat as the Hart brothers. So they weren't like a reluctant bait or a reluctant cover for these maniac men. They're maniac. So you got six crazy ass people going around. Well, that's what some reports say. A posse was sent after them, but one of the men that was part of the posse, they ended up finding him dead. And it was described as basically he was just mutilated. They knew that he'd likely ran into the harps. So what happened then? The posse was like, we're going to the house. Well, I mean, if you ran into the harps, you were dead. They were notorious at this time. I mean, if you heard the words, the harps were coming, you better get the hell out of the way. Wow. The posse knows, okay, here's our guy. He's dead. He's been butchered. He must have found the harps. A $300 reward is placed on the head heads of the harps by James Garrard, who was the Kentucky governor, and they become public enemy number one. And by the way, $300 then was close to about $50,000 by today's standards. That's a pretty decent little reward. Yeah, this is a fuck ton of money back right. then. The harps reunite with their wives and they make their way north toward Illinois, where they manage to kill five more people along the way. Is a fuck ton a lot? It's a lot. It's a it's a whole lot. It's a lot. Okay. Near the Ohio River, the Harps meet up with Samuel Mason, a river pirate who had a gang holed up in Cave in Rock, which is a natural cave on the banks of the river, kind of on the Illinois side of the Ohio River. At this time, the Harps had two wives and three children in tow. Poor little babies, all I can tell you. Though the Samuel Mason gang was considered ruthless pirates, even they were reportedly like appalled at the actions of the Harps. Samuel Mason didn't agree with the Harps' practice of kidnapping travelers, taking them to the top of the bluff and pushing them off to their death. They were disposing of bodies by ripping the victims from chin to navel, filling the cavity with stones, and throwing them into the river. Mason was worried the stories would get the attention of the law. And he's a river pirate. He's hiding out. He doesn't want the law on his back. No, he doesn't want a bunch of people searching up down the damn river where he's hiding at. He likes robbing these, you know, ships and stuff. I'm a damn river pirate. Yeah. Here comes these maniacs cutting people up left and right. I'm just here to steal. I'm not trying to, like, viciously murder people. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if the women had not been there... Mason and the others probably would have tried to kill the Harps. Out of self, self-preservation self in many respects. Yeah. Now, eventually the Mason gang is going to make them leave. I mean, if you're meaner than a pirate, that's pretty <laughs> fucking bad, right? Like the pirate, the pirate gang is like talking about it like late at night. Like, I just don't know. I just don't know. They, they go overboard. Did you see what he did to that lad yesterday? I mean, you know, we've been taught how vicious pirates are. I mean, you think of Blackbeard. You think of these guys who just rape and pillage and murder and and steal and don't give a fuck. I mean, if you've got those guys saying, you know, these dudes are mean as hell, that's fucking mean. So if you offend pirates, you're fucked. I guess. Okay. Because you're pretty. You're pretty bad. You mean. (laughs) You're the baddest of the bad. Uh, Yeah. In two years, they've managed to slice their way through the frontier. And I'm sure their reputation proceeds them. Oh, it does. Now, the brothers return to eastern Tennessee. They kill a farmer, a guy named Hardin, a young boy. Another body had been disemboweled and turned into a river. A man named Brassel had his throat slit. And a man named John Tully... So this totaled about six more victims on their way into Tennessee. 
In Kentucky, a man named John Graves and his teenage son had been decapitated with axes. My God. In Logan County, the Harps killed a young slave girl and an entire family that slept in a camp. They're, they're just killing anyone they see. They go to, Kentucky, or to Tennessee. They kill all these people. Then they go into Kentucky. I mean, they're leading this like nomadic life. And remember, they've got wives and babies in tow. I'm sure those babies are going to be well adjusted. They've got bounty hunters tracking them. I mean, at this point, it's not a matter of like, if we get caught, it's when we get caught kind of thing. Yeah, and it's like they're out to kill every, as many people, period, as they can before they do. Yeah, I mean, there's really no rhyme or reason to these murders other than you happen to find us along the way. Well, see, you're so at- we're going to kill you and maybe we'll rob you. We might get something out of you, but we might not. Here's we're just th- killing you for fun. It's well, like yeah. sport. There's the no mo- They're not covering up a crime. It's not witnesses because people still know it's the damn heart brothers. When they kill them, mutilate the shit out of their bodies and throw the carcass out. So they're just doing it. I mean, it's, you know, robbery might be the just indiscriminate motivation in the beginning, but it's, they just like killing. They do. And there's no. Like, like I said, no rhyme or reason because they're just killing indiscriminately men, women, children. Who are like the family living girls, in a camp? Like slaves, you can't free people. I mean, they don't care. You could rob them, tie them up, leave them, and they're probably not going to come after you, right? They're probably going to be glad to be alive. Not, and who are they going to tell quickly? Nobody. Just kill the shit out of the whole family. Now, one of the most horrific crimes that would take place is in August 1799. When Big Harp bashed the head of his infant daughter against a tree because she was crying and it annoyed him. Jesus. He grabs Sarah Rice's baby by the legs and then hits the baby's head against the tree. Now, days after the murder, the brothers head north where they decide they're going to go find some friends and call in some debts that they're owed. Okay. Cashing out. They've got the law on their back, bounty hunters tracking them down. Pay me or I'll kill you. These women, I'm sure, are feeling some type of way after the baby has been killed. So these guys are like, okay, we got to get the hell away from y'all for a little bit. We got to get some money together. They go up north. Another man named Towbridge was found disemboweled in an area of Highland Creek. So they knew that the Harps had probably gotten to him. The Harps took up shelter at a home in Webster County, Kentucky, where they killed a man named Major William Love. Moses Stegall had only left for one night. When he returns to his cabin, it's burned down. Now, Stegall was kind of, from what I understand, a low life himself. And he had owed the Harps some money. At some point, they met Stegall along the way. He tells them, like, I'm going here, but my wife, Mary, is at home at the cabin. If you stop by there, she'll pay you, I think it was a dollar. Oh. She'll pay you the money, go by the cabin. They pop by her cabin. She pays them one dollar. They ask to spend the night. And this was very common at the time that, you know, people were traveling along. They may ask you, hey, can you spare a room? Can you spare a meal? And it was just commonplace. It was hospitable. It's just what you did. Well, yeah, there was no hospitality industry. It was just, yeah. If you ask someone, a traveler, I mean, most of the time people were going to accommodate you because this was just what people did. And you would expect the same when you're traveling. So she tells them, yeah, they can sleep in the barn. They can spend the night. There was probably around $40 in the house. And I guess when she paid them the dollar, they could see she had some money. Classic mistake. Well, the next morning, the Harps ask Mary if she's going to be able to make them breakfast. And she has a baby. It's sick. She's like, I've got to tend to my sick baby. I don't think I'm going to be able to cook for you guys because my son's sick or whatever. Right, because that's uh, not easy. The brothers offer to watch the sick child so that Mary can cook. Mary, at some point after she's made breakfast, goes in to check on the baby and finds that her child's throat has been slit. What the hell? Freaking out, I'm sure. Runs back into the kitchen. Little Harp cuts her throat. Then they sit down and finish their breakfast. They set the cabin on fire. So remember her husband, Moses, 
has only been gone for one night. Right. So he's on his way home. He finds the bodies of his wife and infant baby. Of the, my God. And he knows that the harps were coming by there to collect the money that he owed them. Revenge is on his mind. A witness comes forward and describes the two men. One of them had flaming red hair. It matches that of the harps, the harp brothers. You know, Stiegel knew who they were, knew that they'd been in the cabin. I mean, so he, he knows that they've killed his wife and child. And he sent him there to his house. So he is like fucking furious. Right. Moses Stiegel joined a posse led by a man named John Leeper. Now, the harps are starting to feel the squeeze. Well, I, they should be. I mean, they've been on their ass for all this time, basically. They hit the trails again. Now, along the way, the gang was hiding out when they end up being discovered by the posse. Now, Sarah Rice is staying in a cabin with the Harps, and the posse creeps up. They find Sarah in the house. Now, remember, they've killed her child. Big Harp killed her baby. How? That's the one Just of the most ho- horrible things I've weeks ever heard. before this. Yeah. She tells the posse where to find the brothers. It's going to come back to bite them in the she? ass. Yeah, so she tells on them. She was still angry over her baby's death, so, you know, she didn't care to rat them out. Now, Little Harp manages to escape on his horse, while Big Harp, not so much. He's refusing to surrender. He gets shot in the leg by the guy Leaper, and Leaper was able to drag Big Harp off his horse as he's trying to get away. He's bleeding. He's shot in the leg. Leaper gets Harp basically on the ground and then uses Harp's tomahawk to subdue him. Oh, so I grabs you, his own tomahawk. Oh, no. yeah. I thought you was gonna say, say he cut him up with it, like he did all so many victims. Now Harp's bleeding. He's on his deathbed, and while he's laying there bleeding out, he confesses to twenty murders. And I guess the bullet, like where it hit him in the leg, it basically paralyzed him, so he can't move. He's laying there. So while he's still alive, Moses Stiegel cut off Big Harp's head. He told the man that now this is what I find so interesting. And this is what's been written. You know, this is the legend that while Moses Stiegel is cutting off Big Harp's head, which was not a quick process, that Big Harp says to him, you're a rough butcher, but go on and be done with it. Wow. Instead of begging for his own life. Oh, no, that crazy psychopath is not going to beg for shit. You're a rough butcher. Go on and be done with it. Now, he would later display this head on a spike near his cabin, which is going to become known as Harp's Head Road in Webster, Kentucky. Webster County, Kentucky. We need to go there. Moses Stiegel and Sarah Rice both managed to get their revenge on Big Harp. That is... So, what about Little Harp? The three Harp women are again on trial for their husband's crimes. But probably their crimes, too. They stand trial, but once again are able to go free. The women go back to their families and go on to have relatively normal lives after this. I mean, it's been reported, I believe one of the women went to Illinois, married, had more kids. I believe one of them stayed in Tennessee. After they're done with this chapter, I mean, they move on and no more crimes, settle down. Could you imagine the the grandkids? Hey, Granny. You, you know any crazy stories? Yeah. <laughs> well. Well, youngins, I got a good one for you. <laughs> <laughs> Get some cider and have a seat. Now, you asked about Little Harp. He escaped the ambush and went back to the Ohio River Gang led by Samuel Mason. Okay. The River Pirates. He was using an alias, John Sutton, and was able to pass for about four years undetected. Damn, he's doing pretty good. The body count of these pirates grows, and Little Harp had no loyalty to Mason like he did his brother. I mean, he would have absolutely done anything, you know, for Big Harp. But with Samuel Mason, eh, not so much. He's just using them. There is a bounty placed on Samuel Mason's head, so Little Harp and another man try to claim that bounty. Mason is killed. And it's not clear whether Lil Harp actually killed Mason or if someone else perhaps did. But he shows up with Mason's head trying to get the money. 
It was at this time that he's discovered to be an outlaw himself. Yeah, that was probably not that great of a plan. He was arrested. Now he escapes. He gets captured again and is finally taken to trial. So they finally got one of the Hart brothers in the courtroom. In 1804, he's tried. He's sentenced to hang. I bet that was a spectacle. When they execute him, they place his head on a stake near the Nache Trace to warn others who might have ideas about leading a life of crime. Well, and that's a pretty good example of why not to. The Hart brothers are America's first documented serial killers. I mean, they terrorized the frontier of Appalachia, butchering bodies without discrimination. Women, children, men fell victims to this pair of brothers, who many said came from hell itself. Smashed his own baby on a tree. I mean, I, I mean, that's one of the most worst things I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, this is stuff of legend here, for real. Now, if you're interested in finding out some more about the Harps, um, there was a movie made in 1941, The Devil and Daniel Webster, which features the pair. Well, I would have never known that's what that movie was about. Um, well, it's, I think, about, like, a, an attorney who has to defend, like, the worst of the worst criminals or ah. something. And so they're, like, a pair he has to try to defend in the movie, from what I understand. Then Walt Disney's Davy Crockett and the River Pirates featured the Harp Brothers, and I thought this was interesting. Big Harp is played by my man, the most beautiful man to ever walk the earth, Paul Newman. Really? Rawr. Yeah. But I bet it's a toned-down version of the Hart Brothers. Well, if it's Walt Disney, I'm sure. Yeah, I bet it's like a, why you keep... I, I can't think of anything the Hart Brothers did that will fit in Disney, so I'll just leave it there. I also, you know, just to let you know some of the uh, the research I did, I watched an investigation discovery show called Evil Ken, which featured an episode on the Hart Brothers, so some of this information came from that episode there are a lot of historians that's a pretty good show who talked about these guys fucking a man 1700s and you got these maniacs out on the trail just reaching chopping people up with tomahawks anything splitting them from chin to navel with a tomahawk gutting them and putting rocks back in yeah. just, killing kids just cause you like it killing families yeah riding around not bathing for a month Musty as fuck. Knocking up three women. You got, and that, you know, like they're their just... bottles of beer, taking them down, passing them around. <laughs> well, you know, but they're just using them like props, and they're crazy. The women's crazy as hell, because you know they could have, um, what? Scat, you know, you know they could have left into the, you know, snuck away or something along well, all I mean, that they way. They were separated several times. Yeah. Even when people were trying to help them, feeling bad for them, acquitting them yeah. of the crimes. Well, it seems like the only, I guess, real time that they decided to turn their backs was when Sarah Rice's baby. And that's only because it was, was affecting murdered. them. Right. Right? So they're, they sound at the very least a very, some kind of personality disorder or narcissism or how is that many Whitman? You think they made them that way? The Hart brothers got them kind of, you know, and made them not care like that? Because, I mean, would you hang out with somebody like well, this? Well, I don't know. Maybe. That? Well, you know, women like bad boys. Well, this is. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, let's. Yeah. The stereotype is that women like bad boys. So this puts Tinder in a whole new light. Women like the bad boy. Yeah. And perhaps they were young, they were impressionable, but maybe they were just very excited. Maybe they just so happened to pluck the right women who were enthralled with this bandit outlaw lifestyle now you uh, ask would i be into this oh my god well, if we're talking about like today I think you are probably not because i would get caught all of those dna test kits that's the only reason you're they not would be it? like her cousin's a murderer like they would trace me through my cousin who did the dna test kit yeah or something. that'd have been your ass right but we're talking 1700s i don't know i think i would have been a badass river pirate don't you well i think i wouldn't have traveled anywhere I mean, I'm a little rough trade, so maybe. Well, yeah, I'm not sure what. I, th I think you would have, uh, let's just say I think you would have prospered in this frontier setting. Yeah. Right? Let's just leave, leave it at that. Some lawlessness. <laughs> yeah. Reckless abandon. 
I've, I've yeah, I've been accused of that in our modern day society, <laughs> <laughs> operating with reckless abandon. Do you? What do I do that? Are you are you saying that so that I'll be like excited by you or something? I mean, well, yeah, but I'm trying. You already got me, well, baby. No. You don't have to be the bad boy, okay? Let's go back on that. The bad boy. What? Is, so is a bad boy being like standing up to their father or kicking somebody's ass down at the bar or saloon, or is it chopping man's head off and splitting him from chin to testy and filling him up with rocks? Well, I do not feel like I'm a very good judge of this. So, so you probably shouldn't ask me. Yeah, I'm, no. No, even I think you, you would. You should probably ask, like, uh, some other lady. I think you, even you would be like, that's a little much. I don't Can know. y'all just rob banks? I don't know. Do I get no shoes out of it? <laughs> Can you get me some heels from France? <laughs> Is it, right? <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, right there. Anyway, so this has been the story of the Harp Brothers. In the... Mountain Murders exclusive way, way back machine. Oh, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. So let's tell folks about Bonfire. If you are familiar with our Facebook page or you follow us on Instagram, you may have seen a post. Bonfire, we have a limited edition run of t-shirts available. I believe they're only going to be available for another week. And the cool thing is you can be a walking billboard, not only for your favorite podcast, hopefully Mountain Murders, but... Um, if you buy a shirt, the proceeds, some of the money comes back to us because it is a bit of a fundraiser. So you can support the podcast and get a cool t-shirt. Yeah. And it's basically our first t-shirt with a really dope symbol on it. Logo? Is that what you mean, babe? <laughs> he he talks pretty. It's our first t-shirt. So if you get one of these limited run Mount Murders t-shirts... Uh, you will be one of few, I'm sure, and they will be probably worth something one yeah, day. Yeah, we've sold a couple, and yeah. we would love to get you to buy one so you can support it, support the podcast, and help us out so we can make it sound better. Yeah. And you can always join up with Patreon for as low as a dollar a month. You can sign up, support the podcast. We just dropped a really great bonus episode for our patrons on Master Rick again. We did, and that was gotta, fun. Gotta go listen to that. We let it hang out on Patri- Patreon a little bit, right? Yeah, it's a pretty raw. Well, it's behind the paywall, guys. So anything can happen. It's raw content. It is raw because <laughs> it's a lot of work editing everything. <laughs> Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back soon. A a quick reminder, we are going to go on vacation this week. High five. Thursday, we out, y'all. I'm excited. Are you excited? Oh, I've been excited. We've actually had a few of our Mountain Murders listeners give us suggestions, places to go, restaurants, Ghost tours to take. Yeah. All the spots. We got the inside track so we appreciate that because of mountain murder uh mountain murder listener and we really do appreciate that yeah so we may update you a little bit while we're on vacation maybe we'll drop an extra episode geared Um, around our vacation spot i might take picture i'll probably take picture of craft beer beers guys yeah he probably will oh yeah (laughs) there'll be a couple of those but have a great week and we'll be back soon